We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the NFL Weekly Preview right here on Roto Grinders with TJ and the Luch. I'm Justin Carlucci. What's up, TJ Lasik? How are you? Justin, how are we doing? Another solid weekend of NFL in the books here. I think we've got, thankfully, not as many injuries to talk about this week. I know that that kind of took the lead last week, had a couple more less noteworthy injuries, but also had some some games that we expected to shoot out that that certainly did and did not disappoint. And I know we'll be talking about leading into this week the the several games that we have over a fifty point total. So it won't be as easy to spot the games to stack up heading into week four. But yeah, first we can touch on week three a bit. What uh what, what's jumping at your attention to start? There's quite a bit, you know. We First of all, you're right about the high Vegas totals. We went from having two, maybe three games with maybe 50, you know, 50 or higher totals in the games. But now we have like six of them as of right now going into week four, which is pretty crazy. But one of the more popular DFS games and just games to watch across the country was Dallas and Seattle. The hashtag let Russ cook movement is continuing and I'm saying right now he's probably leading the MVP vote in the league. Josh Allen's probably 1B. I know you got the little futures bet on him. And, uh, by the way, we'll let you have some Josh Allen time because he continues to cook. But, yeah, and Russell Wilson, I mean, he's not throwing the ball 50 times a game and, like, a fifth of his passes are going for touchdowns. Obviously, he found TJ Lockett three times, which was crazy, and he was probably clearly in uh, – almost all or all of the GPP winners and, you know, the high scoring lineups across the industry. And, uh, you know, Dallas, you know, by playing in another shootout there, Zeke was a pretty big bust. Cedric Wilson, who, who was Cedric Wilson? I mean, just a crazy game. Michael Gallup getting a bomb in the fourth quarter. That was just a wild game. Metcalf left the touchdown on the board, probably really pissed off a lot of people there too. Crazy. I mean, that's just – he was showboating before he got in the end zone, and that that's just – if they would have lost that game, could you imagine, TJ? Yeah, I really – I was watching that real time. I could not believe that that happened. It reminded me of, of Deshaun Jackson with the Eagles from years ago where he, like, dropped the ball before he got into the end zone, but – yeah, I mean, Seahawks are looking really, really potent on offense right now. And we're, we're talking a little bit before the show, but 
my thought on the Seahawks used to be that you would only want to stack Russ with one of Lockett or Metcalf just because they weren't throwing the ball enough to make it worth that double stack. But, I mean, with that target share there, Lockett and Metcalf are going to be in play with a stack with Russ almost every single week regardless of of who they're playing. I mean, Lockett with 13 targets, gets in the box three times. He was, like you said, a must-have to to win anything this week. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's the second straight week where there were some of these higher total games that, that we wanted to start attacking from a, a game stack perspective and certainly did not disappoint. On the Dallas side of things, you'll continue. I mean, it's going to be a bit of a guessing game every single week in terms of Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, who's going to get the volume and the action there. I think heading into, heading into this week, Gallup was the forgotten guy. And then, of course, he's the one that, that pops off with the big touchdown. We talked a little bit about how he's going to be the GPP-type target. But I believe I also saw that, that C.D. Lamb snap counts were, were a bit down. Yeah, he only played 60% of snaps this week. So not entirely sure why that happened, but that, that'll be something to, to keep an eye on. But, yeah, both of these teams, I think, are going to be in play every single week and ones that we want to target for GPPs. Uh, for sure. And I'm sure that helped the uh... – the breakout game of, of Cedric Wilson getting on the field more for whatever reason. Hopefully we find out some more information later in the week. On the flip side of the ball, you know, Tyler Lockett peppered with targets, three touchdowns. We don't see many three touchdown games a year or even a career from a wide receiver. That's that's probably a career game from Tyler Lockett. You know, just looking at the market share of targets here over here at Roto Grinders. Get on over to Roto Grinders. Our premium content and our tools, top of the line in the industry. Very user-friendly. We have a ton of podcasts, ton of videos, ton of live streams, whether you're playing Showdown or Main Slate. We got you covered here. But just looking at the first couple of weeks here, you know, week one in terms of, you know, market share, target percentage here, you know, Lockett and Metcalf were pretty much 22% week one. Week two, Lockett had eight more percent than Metcalf. And obviously week three, you know, 13 more percent for Lockett. And the thing is with Metcalf, he's pretty much making the most of – every opportunity other than throwing away that touchdown ironically but he has you know he dusted Gilmore against the Patriots two weeks ago and I guess it's possible when you have arguably the best deep passer in the league when looking at various metrics and Russell Wilson a guy like Metcalf with his ability his size his physicality he doesn't need 11 targets and he is the red zone guy ironically and you know lock it Three, three scores from Lockett. It's just incredible here. But yeah, other than that, I mean, he's Wilson is passing the ball and he is looking for one of those two guys, right? And you know, Chris Carson dinged up, not really sure what his status is moving forward. You know, he was getting some looks out of the backfield the first couple weeks. His a target share was in double digits, so we know Carlos Hyde's not a pass catcher for sure. You know, they don't want to play Travis Homer too much on the field either. So honestly, moving forward, if if Chris Carson moves loses time that the shares for Metcalf and Lockett are only going to rise and that's scary for fantasy football yeah agreed uh, if you're in your season long leagues those are definitely two guys that that I would love to have on any of my teams right now in Lockett and Metcalf and looks like they'll be going to to Miami this week Seattle at Miami 54 and a half point total Seattle coming in as six and a half point favorites so a little bit of a Maybe not as tight of a game, but obviously have a have a high point 
total there. And any time that you're going against Ryan Fitzpatrick, who you know is just going to be willing to to sling the ball down to Miami, could be another. Again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. There's there's a ton of games that are going to be stackable uh, this coming week. But I think that'll definitely be one that, that's on people's radars. And then on the Miami side, have the option to run it back with, uh, you know, Devontae Parker, Mike Jasicki, Preston Williams kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Seattle's defense is the furthest thing from the Legion of Boom. You know, even Jamal Adams got hurt, actually. It's something to, to bring up, you know, kind of watch his status, too. He's been much more effective against the run. But, you know, any any notable talent in that secondary definitely helps Seattle. But the Devontae Parker looked pretty good, you know, finally healthy. Um, and obviously, you know, they're going to let Russ cook. And, you know, Vegas likes Seattle, rightfully so. Especially if Byron Jones is out for Miami. He's by far their best corner. He's been hurt. But at this point, it's, uh, you know, you're looking, talking cash games. You're going to want to look at Seattle, right? That's just my first thought. Looking at this slate, there's a lot of ways to go, but uh, we, we've seen super high floors here. Um, and just kind of tying some things together. The common theme, just seeing, you know, the first couple of weeks, if you played the quarterback wide receiver combo of some of these chalkier higher Vegas total games you had a chance to make some serious money it, it that's just the way it's been kind of stacking the the high Vegas total quarterback wide receiver combo maybe a full game stack uh, or something like that a lot of people were getting on uh, trying to get a little I guess uh tournament minded and and rightfully so by going a little heavier on Chris Carson yesterday going a little heavier on Zeke you know you see that total you try to be different and that's, that's a great, you know, tournament mind. That's a good move in theory, but it just hasn't been working out that way. You know, we're in such a pass happy league. I know it's like beating a dead horse, but we were talking a little bit earlier, TJ, and there the there's like two or three quote unquote bell cow running backs in the league anymore. And, you know, our grandchildren one day won't even know what bell cow means when they're playing fantasy football because they might not even run the ball in who knows 30 years. But you know, you have to adapt in DFS, and you know, we've seen three weeks of data. And just what are your thoughts in, on just what you've seen out of some of these chalky high total builds? Is is this the way? You know, is this the right way to go here? Or what are your thoughts here? I know you're a big you know, higher stakes GPP guy. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because it's the second straight week where you know there was a a clear three optimal running back build, which was Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, and Kenyon Drake. And, I mean, they essentially all busted this week and, and didn't do much of anything. And, again, going into the week, it was like, oh, yeah, these are the three no-brainer running backs that, that you have to play in cash games, that you have to get exposure to in GPPs. And it's just not, not coming out this way. I mean, we, we look at snap counts from week three, right? Only There's only three running backs that received over 80% of snaps, and, and one of them was Devin Singletary in Buffalo with, with Zach Moss out. He hit 89%. And then David Johnson with Duke Johnson out, 96%. And then we have Zeke with 98%. But other than that, you're, you're relying on guys that are going to get it done with a third or, or maybe three quarters, if you're lucky, of the snaps. So, you know, even the, the Miles Sanders, the Kenyon Drakes, they're coming more in the, the 65 to 75% of snaps. And like you said, teams are just throwing the ball more. So, it's going to be something to continue to monitor. I know that we get Kamara back on the main slate this week who had a, a massive, massive game last night. But again, mostly through the air, 
right? I think he might have only had nine or ten carries and had like 11 catches. So especially on DraftKings with that full PPR, we're going to want to look for these pass-catching running backs when we can. And I also think another thing to, to think about is that I've pretty much exclusively been playing running backs in the flex for the last couple of years in DFS because I just thought that it was the right thing. I thought that it's where you're getting that guaranteed volume. But I think it's probably becoming a situation where we want to consider more four wide receiver lineups. Some of these, you know, value wide receivers that, that seem to be getting there. And it seems like the chalky wide receivers haven't had a problem getting there. Whereas the, you know, some of these running back plays, they're not Christian McCaffrey. And so they're, they're coming with a lot more volatility week to week. No, that, that's a really good point. And since you brought up, you know, Kamara, we can talk about the Saints moving forward. Michael Thomas is hopeful he can play, you know, early in the week speak. Who knows what's really going to happen, right? But first of all, if Michael Thomas plays and he's not limited, he's 76 on DK, depending on what the reports are. It could be one of those Kenny Galladay situations where, like, well, he might be on a snap count and he ends up playing, like, what, 75% of the snaps or something. So I think that's a very interesting price for Michael Thomas, depending on what we're hearing around the weekend, if people are scared to play him. But obviously that'll affect Kamara too, right, Uh, in terms of targets. And uh, Latavius Murray's been getting some work. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but he looked pretty good yesterday during at certain times of the game. But Kamara's been nothing short of brilliant. You know, like if you want to win the game, you put the ball in the best player's hands. All this talk about Drew Brees not being able to throw the ball 20 yards downfield. doesn't matter when Kamara is just a yak monster and – Listen, the, 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 the touchdown everybody's been talking about on Twitter and going crazy about was, was really cool. And I, I don't want to be the buzzkill guy, but that was probably the worst tackling defensive play of the year on the Packers side of the football. But either way, monster day for Kamara. And I, I just think the Michael Thomas situation is massive in terms of uh, target share there. And, you know, Kamara is probably going to need a couple more carries to really – have that monster, monster upside when Michael Thomas is 100%. Yeah, agreed. I think that's definitely probably the biggest, most significant injury to monitor over the course of this week. I mean, if, if Michael Thomas is is out again, Kamara, to me, becomes the, the for sure top raw play on the slate. And, you know, <laughs> we talk about the these quote-unquote lock running backs, but I mean, to me, that would be a spot where we'd be looking to, to pay up for Kamara and getting him into our lineups, but like you said, if Thomas is in, then I think I would certainly be interested in Michael Thomas, just 7,600, I believe week one when he, he was like 9K on DraftKings, so he obviously did not have a, have a good week one, ends up getting hurt, but I mean, last week, or last year, Thomas was catching 10 plus balls almost every single week. And he was just like a lock for eight to 10 catches and the hundred yard bonus. So definitely someone to look at and someone that, you know, maybe people get scared off of him because of the injury. But if we get those reports that he's full go, I'd I'd love to lock him into my lineups. No, I, I totally agree. And that's one of the Vegas games with a, with a total over 50, you know, Saints on the road, but they're in a dome against Detroit. So I like Drew Brees in a dome. You know, looking at this game, just got to be frustrating. DeAndre Swift, six snaps. Adrian Peterson had 40. 
after seeing no more than 24 in either of the first two weeks. Listen, man, I was wrong. I really thought Matt Patricia was going to be a good head coach. And maybe that's a little harsh, but just from, from what I've seen that I don't know what's going on in Motor City. Anyway, the positive news for fantasy footballers and, and DFSers is Katie Galladay played a lot. And there was reports saying, well, earlier in the week, I didn't know if I could go, Galladay said. And, you know, Sunday morning when you're making your moves, like, well, he could be on a pitch count. And, you know, I, I had some Galladay exposure. I'm glad I did. And he played a lot. I mean, he, he played a lot. Um, and I, I just had it up here. I think he had like 34% of their uh, air yard share. So that's super encouraging. And we know he's a red zone monster. And I'm looking at DK, and I'm not saying I'm locking him in because it's Monday night and nobody's a lock, right? But I am probably pretty prone to running any kind of Saints game I have with, with Kenny Galladay at 6K. I, I don't think he'll be cheaper than that this year, really. I, I don't. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I'm sure he'll see some Marshawn Lattimore, but I don't care if you're bracket coveraging him with Deion Sanders. You know, 6K, Kenny Galladay in that game, that was supposed to be a joke. Uh, I, I'm in. And, you know, with the right game script there, I'm about it. So I'm just kind of first look. I'm liking Galladay, regardless of, you know, if you're playing the Saints game, even as a one-off, you know, high total, um, you know, Detroit at home. But, yeah, what do you have any other thoughts on that game? And I guess we could kind of tie that in with the Arizona-Detroit game from last week, which was pretty popular for DFS as well. Yep. Yeah, definitely love Galladay. Liked him last week. Love him again this week. 6K, just too too cheap on DraftKings. And he's probably the only person I'm really interested in on the Detroit side of the ball there. So, I think I think for the New Orleans-Detroit game, it's – yeah, I, th- I think some, some of these games with the high total, there's lots of pieces, lower-owned pieces that we maybe want to get a piece of. But for New Orleans, Detroit, to me, it's really Kamara, Michael Thomas, Galladay. I don't know that you need to, to stretch much thinner than that. And, you know, you could obviously play play the quarterbacks, but I really think it's getting to the, the point where, in GPPs, you need one of these dual threat quarterbacks to win. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking more towards the, the Russ Wilsons, the Kyler Murrays, the Lamar Jacksons, Josh Allens. They just bring such a higher ceiling with the ability to get it done on the ground as well as through the air. So th- that'll be, be interesting because a lot of them are in good spots coming into to this week. And, and with that, we'll transition to, to Arizona. And so we have Arizona, Carolina, 52 and a half point total this week at Carolina, Arizona, three and a half point road favorites here. And we've been saying it for, for a couple of weeks now. We'll say it again. Carolina seems to be a team that, that you're going to want to stack against often. It, it didn't necessarily turn into a shootout this past week, but Austin Eckler did have a, a massive game against Carolina and on the Arizona side of things. They didn't necessarily light it up. Hopkins had himself another pretty good game, though. Um, let's see. He ended up seeing – what do we have here? Another 12 targets against Detroit this week. So, I mean, I think he's one of those guys you can just lock in the 10-plus targets. He's going to have a super high floor on any given week. And, you know, on the other side of it, the Kenyon Drake, again, the chalk that just didn't – didn't quite hit. He played about 
60, 65% of the snaps and, and really just didn't do a ton with, with his touches. So and, Tyler and, Hopkins, really the main play for me there. You brought up a really good point. Uh, 65% of snaps is kind of the new norm for, for most running backs, right? So it's almost like, okay, do you just play the chalk or do you take your chance and play someone at 20% less and maybe a little bit lesser of a game? But listen, there's so much volatility in the NFL, variance, you know, either you score or you don't some weeks. And just to bring up what you, what you said about Hopkins, you know, he had 103 air yards last week, right? Over the, in one game against Detroit. And in the last two total games, Andy Isabella had 109 total, but he scored twice, right? So, so what are you going to do? I mean, more often times than not, it's not going to happen. But that, that's the beauty of DFS and variance, right? If, imagine if, that, if one of those went to Hopkins, right? Like monster game, monster, monster game. So it's just the way it is. You know, you have to look at opportunities, you know, air yards, you know, air yard percentage, targets, snaps, and, you know, it's hard. You, you don't want a game log hunt. You see, oh, Andy Isabella scored twice last week. You know, him, I'm not saying he won't, but he might not score for another five weeks. Who knows, right? Just because of where where the shares are going, where the opportunities are coming from. Eventually, Kenyon Drake's going to have his game, right? Eventually, and it'll probably be when he's like eight percent, because that's just that's just the way it works. But uh, yeah, exactly. crazy stuff, TJ. Crazy stuff. Um, yeah, Isabella is an interesting one because, like, like you said, got. Got into the end zone twice. Only played forty percent of the snaps, but I mean, it, oh, Larry Fitz eighty six percent of the snaps. Like, what are they going to be done with that? You know, and and when do we transition a little bit from from Larry Fitzgerald to Andy Isabella? So right, I, I just Maybe. think that you know, you you watch it, and and Fitz is barely moving out there, and you got some some younger, more talented guys behind them. So we'll see Pass if that situation flips itself at any point this season. Pass the torch, right? Like, we, the industry has been, like, whispering for Andy Isabella since he got drafted. So I, I'd love to see him, Kirk, and, and DeAndre Hopkins kind of gel with with Kyler. would be really cool. Imagine if they actually had, a serv- like, a serviceable tight end. No offense, Dan Arnold. But um, it, it's, it's exciting there in Arizona and, and – uh, I don't think many people thought they'd lose that game, right? So no, definitely not. Uh, interesting. You know, Kenny Galladay comes back, Detroit wins. Nice little uh, correlation there. It's funny how it works when your best player is on the field. Imagine if they stopped giving the ball to AP over there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, Arizona's going to play. You know, they play so fast. You know, you can always peg them in for uh, trying to get a bunch of snaps in. And they're always a good stack, you know, a good game stack candidate. But – you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, not much has changed there in terms of DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Kyler, you know, made a couple errors, but still, like you said, you made a great point with the dual-threat quarterback thing. I mean, we saw Dak Prescott bolter two goal-line touchdowns from uh, Zeke uh, last or two weeks ago now. So, especially on FanDuel, when, you know, it's half point per catch and, there, you know, it's more of a touchdown-dependent site with less bonuses and things like that. Yeah, you almost need the dual threat guy, like you said. We saw Russ Wilson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen all be in big GPP winners the first couple weeks of the season. Um, even Mahomes runs a little bit, right? Um, 50 yards mm-hmm. rushing last week, I believe. Um, but it's tough to play someone with, with no rushing upside, especially uh, even Cam Newton, man. I mean, there's a guy who – and we'll get to the Patriots, but – I mean, there's a guy who in the right matchup, if you're playing cash, you could probably even consider playing him naked once in a while with how much 
he's run the ball. You know, Bill Belichick's used a one-year rental. He's going to run him into the ground. What does he care, right? But um, anyway, crazy game. That was one of the other stackable games from week three. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll take this one, then I'll let you toss to the next one. But it, we got to talk about Atlanta-Chicago for, for many reasons. And obviously Julio Jones didn't play. But Calvin really con- continues to see – a sick amount of air yards and targets, and rightfully so. But on the flip side of that game, Mitch Trubisky benched uh, Nick Foles. I know you know him quite well. And uh, comes in, and Atlanta collapses again in historic fashion. The Bears get the win. What What are your just – what's your initial reaction after that, TJ? Nick Foles, man, the greatest backup quarterback in all of the land. He, uh, for whatever reason, he, when he's the starting quarterback going into a season, he, he tends to flop. But then, you know, if you're going to have somebody coming in midseason, Foles, or mid-game even, Foles is the guy. So, obviously, a lot of love in my heart for Nick Foles back to, to the Philly Super Bowl championship. But I also – I think he brings some – some juice to the table here for Chicago. Allen Robinson had his first big game of the year, 12 targets, got himself into the end zone. The other big news on the the Bears side of the ball is that Tariq Cohen, unfortunately, came down with an ACL and is going to be out for the season. So another, another tough injury in the fantasy space. And we'll see what that leads to in terms of, David Montgomery and whether or not he starts to see some more passing down work now, or if they're going to to bring somebody else or, or have somebody else ready to fill that pass catching running back void. But yeah, I mean, Alan Robinson actually wrote him up in my GPP article last week. He had himself a, a pretty solid game. And then on the Atlanta side of the ball. Yeah. Obviously Julio was out this week, but. Calvin Ridley is just looking like a monster. 13 targets, only only caught five of them. But, yeah, like you said, I think it – what was it, like 250 air yards just last week alone? I mean, that's that's crazy. Wow. So, of course, Julio will, will likely be back. But Calvin Ridley is, is emerging as potentially the – if not number one receiver in Atlanta, at least the 1A to Julio. And, and that's about as – big of a dynamic duo for, for defenses that to try and cover. And like you said, I mean, this Atlanta defense is just struggling to stop people. So they're a team that's going to get themselves into to shoot out spots quite regularly. And someone we're always going to want to be looking to target. No, nah, totally, totally nailed a lot of points. So yeah, 249 air yards for Ridley. Uh, Russell Gage went down too. keep an eye on his status as well. Another emerging target for Matt Ryan. But Calvin Ridley has now had at least 140 air yards in each of the first three weeks. I mean, come on. So, (laughs) yeah, that's crazy. And, yeah, if Russell Gage doesn't play and Julio does, I mean, you know who Matt Ryan's going to look to, right? And uh, vice versa, if Julio doesn't play and Russell Gage does, you know, Gage is absolutely in play. So, very interesting. And uh, just another note on that team – Gurley had 14 carries, and uh, I mean, Brian Hill rears his ugly head up every once in a while into the DFS world, has nine carries. So you tell me you're bringing in Todd Gurley and you're almost splitting. I mean, come on. That's just 
I mean, I know they had a nice day on the ground statistically, but you just can't be that confident if Brian Hill's stealing a significant amount of carriers from Todd Gurley. So this Atlanta team is going to pass all year. I know we touched on a little bit last week. You, know, made a, you made a couple of really good points here. Were you disappointed in, in Hayden Hurst's output? I mean, we had three targets, I think, and a catch. He scored, but I think a lot of people thought, you know, we'd see some more consistent production. We saw Matt Ryan go to Hooper quite a bit uh, last year, especially in uh, I don't know. They got any thoughts on Hayden Hurst? Is he just going to be super volatile all year? Maybe they just don't have the rapport down. I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely a little bit disappointing, right? He scores that early touchdown too. So you're thinking, okay, here comes a potential big Hayden Hurst game. And then essentially did literally nothing the rest of the way. <laughs> Didn't even catch another pass. So, yeah, I mean, through through three weeks here, he's pretty consistently playing – 65-ish percent of the snaps, which it's not horrible, I guess, for a tight end, but but certainly not premier usage. So to me, Hurst is always going to be someone that, that is never a core play, but is maybe someone that you want to to look to mix into your Atlanta game stacks as, as more of a, a contrarian piece there. But it's going to be Calvin Ridley, the number one guy to go to in Atlanta. And like you said, as is the case in many backfields across the league, that running back situation is just ugly. I mean, you got a, a split backfield between Todd Gurley and, and two guys that you would think are, are never going to be fantasy relevant. So, you know, it's tough to play Gurley. Again, you, you're banking on him taking a big play to the house or something like that. But that's becoming the case with a lot of running backs. So I think really the strategy going forward is maybe going to be Mix up your your running back exposures. Try to to find those guys that that happen to have the the big week because there's just not as many every down, three down plus goal line type of running backs out there right now. Yep, yep. Atlanta will be on Monday night next week, so they won't be on the main card. Yeah, fifty eight uh, point total. That's crazy. It'll <laughs> be a nice little showdown. Uh, That'll be a fun one. Um, Chicago is playing Indy. Just sounds ugly and a game I probably won't have a ton of exposure from unless we have some kind of news. Um, but just I want to backpedal a little bit here because you said someone being fantasy relevant and I guess someone who no, you know, someone who nobody in the industry really expected to be fantasy relevant a couple weeks ago uh, was Mike Davis. I know we talked about the Cardinals. They're taking on the Panthers. That's another high Vegas total, 52-point total right now cards three and a half point favorites Mike Davis you want to talk about opportunity okay we'll talk about opportunity 13 carries and nine targets it just seems like it just seems like he's right fitting right into McCaffrey's role and they don't really care who he is and you know he has been capable in the past we've seen capability but <sighs> you know when you have Andrew Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel I, I, I guess I'm a little bit shocked that we saw a lot of opportunity to go to Mike Davis, and here we are. He's going to play in, in what's, what appears to be a shootout, according to Vegas, against the Cardinals in a close game, and you know their defense isn't anything to write home about here. What is Mike Davis' price? That's that's the million-dollar question here. What do we got? He is 5,700 on DraftKings this week, so not not terrible. He was he was, well, was 5,100 last week. 
I mean, in hindsight, obviously he was one of the, the top running backs that he could have played from a value standpoint, especially with some of the other chalk guys busting. But yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the thing that really catches my eye is the nine targets. That's it's very appealing to me. And this is in the game where they won. So it's not even like they were chasing from you know a big deficit from behind and having to, to throw the ball. That seems to be in a in a relatively neutral game script, Mike Davis getting himself nine targets. So expect a, a similar type spot against Arizona here, three and a half point favorite. So it should be a pretty, pretty close game, they think, overall. And yeah, Davis is probably definitely someone that you have to gonna have to take a look at in, in your GPV mix, in your your Kyler stacks as a potential run back. And yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in DJ Moore this past week. So he continues to be on the field a lot, playing 88% of the snaps every single week so far, but just not really seeing the ball come his way. And, and when he it is coming his way, not doing a, a ton with it. So only had four targets last week. I mean, that's – I thought for sure that he would see that spike up as more of that lower dot type player – filling in for, for some of those former McCaffrey targets. But at least in one week, it seemed like they, they flowed towards Mike Davis. I'm not willing to give up on DJ Moore yet because I, I think that the talent and the opportunity is there, but definitely a little bit concerned with his usage. Yeah, you, you made a really nice point a couple weeks ago, and you, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you said you know, Carolina is like the GPP team all year because they're always going to be in a – Come, typically a from behind game script and you know but it's, it's kind of like so where where's it gonna go and and I'm with you you know we kind of expected you know a le- no offense to Mike Davis a lesser player getting thrusted into McCaffrey's role okay kind of lean on some of your other skill guys but you know you can thrust Mike Davis into that I don't know I want to choose my words carefully here I guess upper third tier of fantasy running back producers now with how spread out snaps have been and workloads are being shared. I mean, he outsnapped the other two Carolina running backs on that roster 39 to nine. So there's pretty much zero discrepancy on who they want to get the ball to back there. Zero, zero issues with who should be on the field. Um, 13 carries is a nice number from Mike Davis, right? That, that, that's a pretty big one. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm just like having visions of Bridgewater filling in for the Saints last week and just captain check down. Like he was just taking whatever they give him, right? I mean, you look at the Panthers and they have three guys who can blow the top off of defense. Curtis Samuel, a speedster, Anderson can fly. We know that. And DJ Moore could do it all. So, I mean, if you play super over the top, you play a lot of two-man deep to kind of contain the deep ball. I'm just thinking, you know, here we go. Here, here's Mike Davis because Ian Thomas – has not made his presence felt yet. Another young tight end kind of people are waiting on. And here we go. I mean, I have no issue in rostering Mike Davis this week in this game. So, um, you know, of course I want to watch ownerships and, you know, we'll see what happens. He's like, I don't even know. He was like at least 18 or 20, 15 or 18 running backs down on the list in terms of price. So, you know, people might see him as some obvious value and I, I want to be careful of that too. But I, I'm in for now. I, I like the upside at that price in this matchup. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, a lot of quite a few running backs in that similar price range that we'll need to evaluate. You got Mike Davis, you've got 
Mark Ingram in a game where Baltimore's like I think 13 or 14 point favorites over Washington. Uh, they're at the exact same price of 5,700. You've got Singletary at 5,900. Kenyon Drake at again at 6K flat. People are willing to go back to that. So there's there's quite a few options in that mid tier for running back, but agreed that Davis definitely stands out from that usage perspective. Um, another interesting one. We obviously we we're recording this on a Monday. I have the the Monday night game coming up after this, but Edwards Hilaire sitting at 6,400 for the, for the chiefs. Interesting price on him there. Cheap. But uh, yeah, it seems cheap, right? I mean, especially after the first week, everyone was deeming him that, that he was the, the value steal of the draft. And then week two didn't, didn't do so much. So I'm sure that he, you know, if he goes off tonight, he could end up being the person that, that has the, the Monday pricing hangover where he didn't get priced up after a big game. So interesting one there. And I think another, another game or or two teams that we didn't talk about that I think is going to be an interesting one is, is my guy, Josh Allen, who had himself another big GPP type winning week. And, you know, I I think he's, he's the real deal and seems like he's, Obviously, we know that he's able to get it done on the ground, but he's showing that he's able to to get more done through the air here as well and, and leading game-winning drives, something that, that we ne- didn't necessarily see from him in the past. So feeling good about my boy, Josh Allen. They'll be going to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders, 52-and-a-half point total. So I think this is another game that will be an interesting game stack. Because it's not, it's not as, you know, maybe off doesn't jump off the page the way that games with Seattle or Dallas do just because – or Arizona, just because those have a lot of the, the fun fantasy guys. But Buffalo, Las Vegas sits just at the same total as a bunch of those other games and, and maybe doesn't have as much name appeal from a, a fantasy perspective. So – and, and – Allen's a tough one to stack. I mean, my, my stack option would really be Diggs, but like we've said in the before, you can also play him solo. I mean, who he was throwing touchdowns to everyone yesterday. I forget who uh, – Croft got one. Um, he ran one in. So, really love Josh Allen on any given week. Just brings so much upside to the table. What, yeah. How are we feeling about Josh Allen on your side? No, I like it. I mean, he's, he's- – Every week, you know, before everybody gets on board, he'll be in a ton of GPP lineups, right? It'll be like week eight, and then it'll be like, all right, we're good. Josh Allen's in, right? Like, he'll be the chalk guy. So, I, I feel like he's one of those guys where people across the industry might not totally believe in yet. I mean, especially on a slate where we have a, a billion totals over 50, right? And some more teams that are quote-unquote known for their offense. And he made a really good point. He spread the ball out last week a lot, like, that's a sign of a, of a kid growing up and like going through his progressions just in terms of, uh, of air yard uh, shares here, percentage wise, Cole B. This is last week. Cole Beasley, 23%, John Brown, 20%, Gabriel Davis, 19%, Tyler Croft, 16% digs down to 13%. Uh, so he's really spread things out last week and going up against a pretty formidable Ram secondary, right? Like, he hung 35 on the Rams. Not like they played the Jets. Um, 
So that that's a good sign for me. But the previous two weeks in terms of market share, it really was Diggs and John Brown kind of dominating, dominating the air yards, you know, getting a lot of the targets. But that was really impressive from Josh Allen. Like for me, that that's what I needed to see. And I'm not saying he turned into the best deep ball passer in the league in six months, but he definitely made strides in his game. And yeah, Stefan Diggs helps that whole offense. He was such an integral part of that Minnesota offense last year. He accounted for like two thirds of Kirk Cousins deep passing yards. And that, you know, just his presence is really opening up the door for the rest of that offense to get going. I mean, I know John Brown's a burner, but it's one thing to send John Brown down the field. It's another one to send Stephon Diggs down the field, who is more of a possession receiver with speed too, right? So, uh, you know, you think of John Brown as kind of a one-trick pony and just run that fly pattern, catch the bomb, right? But, man, uh, that that's a scary Buffalo team right now. The Rams really made that a game though, right? Like, that looked ugly for a while, and, and here come the Rams. You know, just touching on the other side of that ball. Jared Goff threw for over 300 yards. Daryl Henderson, here we go. Running back roulette in uh, in Ram City here. Super frustrating. 20 carries. You know, I just think we can't expect that every week. We, we McVeigh's going to ride the hot hand, right, unless we see some more of a sample size here. And you know, so much for blowing your fat budget on Malcolm Brown a couple weeks ago, guys, because good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's another running back by committee situation that, you know, it's mostly an avoid for me personally. If you want to take some some darts, that's exactly what they would be because there's there's just no way that you can predict who, who's going to get the carries on any given week. But, yeah, I mean, the Rams receivers is a little bit of roulette too, right? From week to week, you never know it's going to be. Cooper Cup or Robert Woods getting the targets there. Even Josh Reynolds got himself into the mix a bit with five targets last week. So Rams are, are a tough team to figure out, but at the same time bring some opportunity to the standpoint because because you're never going to have tar- or ownership condensing on one or two of those guys. It should be pretty spread out across the board and yeah, just going back to the Josh Allen thing, I, I think the fact that he, you know, Diggs, Diggs is the easy guy to stack him with, but Diggs is not popping off as as the one-off value wide receiver play, at least so far on any given week. And so it makes it more difficult to stack Josh Allen, which seems to be driving down his ownership. I mean, I saw that he was only like 6 7% owned in some GPPs, whereas you have the Russ Wilsons and – the Dak Prescott's where, you know, Lockett, Metcalf, Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, they're all popping off as one-off wide receiver value too. So it's very easy to to make that stack. So I think those are – Buffalo Bills stacks are going to be ones to to continue to go to and they'll continue to be under-owned. And, yeah, this weekend against the Las Vegas Raiders, Darren Waller two weeks ago goes absolutely off, has 16 targets, and then – comes back next week and, and only sees himself four targets. So a little bit difficult to figure out there, although he, he's still my favorite option on the Raiders side of the football. I know that there's some some questions on Ruggs's health as well. So we'll want to keep an eye on that. Maybe that brings someone like a Hunter Renfro 
more into play if Henry Ruggs is going to be out next week. But, yeah, I, I do like this game as, as a sneakier GPP stack, you know, something like a Josh Allen digs, run it back with Renfro or run it back with, with Darren Waller. And then you can also still pick some pieces from the other high total games as well. Yeah, good point. And and just to kind of, you know, revisit the Raiders a bit here, doesn't matter who Bill Belichick has typically. What does he try and do? Everybody says he takes away the other team's best weapon. All the Saints had – I know I'm playing armchair coach here, but all the New Orleans Saints had to do in the second half of that game was just double Waller because where else is the ball going to go? Waller had four targets, I think, total against – New England, who showed they have some miscommunications and can be a leaky secondary. You know, the same team that, you know, Russ and company hung a lot of points and a lot of fantasy points on a couple of weeks ago, whether that's more of a testament to how good Seattle is or maybe how inconsistent the Raiders are with John Gruden's Fred Flintstone playbook. I don't know. But Waller had two catches for nine yards, right? So, um, you know, nice little win for for New England to kind of take care of business there. Uh, Cam Newton, you know, the, just a weird game because you see Michelle averaged like 13 yards up. Burkhead had like 10 targets. Like, it's like, come on, man. So in a game where some people were on Cam Newton and rightfully so, it just, that's a stack that, you know, you see 36 points. Wow. Cam must have had a game. Edelman probably had six for 100, right? Uh, wrong. That didn't happen. That, that's just the variance there. And, you know, outside of Edelman, typically, like, we're not really sure where the ball's going to go. I mean, yeah, Cam looked really good against Seattle in a shootout game script, but he's not a guy that's going to throw the ball 45 times a game, right? So can you play Nikhil Harry, who was, like, 4,200 last week, or, or Bird is popping up places? Like, we don't really know, like, where – what was happening there, right? Like, Edelman had a, a decent share of the air yard percentage, actually a, a pretty high percentage – the last couple of weeks, but, you know, without one dominant playmaker in New England outside of Cam, it's, they're another tough team, right? Like you run around a stack, like, okay, so what do you do next? Kind of, at least, at least Buffalo has digs who can be like the higher floor guy typically. Right. But yeah, outside of Edelman, man, it's like, what do you do with New England from week to week? They're not my first choice to, to run to, but they're appealing some weeks, right? They were appealing last week. Yeah, I mean, I, I myself ran some Cam tournament teams. Pretty much either went with Cam, Nicole Harry, or Cam and Demir Bird with the thought process being that the real person I want exposure to here is Cam, but let me piece him with one of the cheaper guys. I mean, Bird was minimum price on DraftKings 3K. Thought maybe you got a Cam rushing touchdown or two. Maybe Bird can, can get a couple catches and meet some value there. Yeah, I think I kind of learned my lesson. Like, just I don't know how much stacking I really want to do with, with New England. Just you never know who it's going to be on any given week. I mean, this was Rex Burkhead week. And, and it, you're really just playing roulette, trying to figure out where the ball is going to go. Cam Edelman, that's a solid stack right there. But. You know, at the same time, I liked Lockett and Metcalf and Amar Cooper better than Edelman, right? Like, if you're going to play Edelman, you have to play him over other guys that I'm typically going to like more. So, yeah, New England is just not my favorite 
team from a fantasy perspective, and I'll probably try to, to avoid them as much as I can going forward. I, like I said, I think I learned my lesson this week. It's tough. It's tough. And I, I had some camp teams too. Um, and they'll, they'll have their weeks, right? They'll have their weeks for sure. You know, Cam, one of these dual threat quarterbacks that you want to work in there with the high upside. And, you know, like I said before, like they're, they're going to run them in the red zone. Bill Belichick does not give one, one F about running Cam Newton in, into the ground this year. And uh, he looks healthy. He looks good. But uh, yeah, I just, I just, um, they're a head scratcher sometimes. Um, Titans Vikings, you know, I want to tie this in with another high Vegas total coming up for week four. Um, you know, obviously I'm a Titans fan. That was a frustrating game. You know, we saw Tennessee move the ball and settle for a ton of field goals, which, which was frustrating because they have been one of the, I, maybe the best or top three. Like, I don't know, but they've been top three in the league in red zone efficiency since Ryan Tannehill took over. I guess the Vikings D who has a lot of injuries and quite frankly, hasn't been very good this year whatsoever. Uh, and, you know, Derrick Henry did not get going early. He's had some trouble this year. Second half had two touchdowns. So I uh, ended up uh, being a pretty nice piece on FanDuel, everything considered, I guess on both sides, but, but, but more on FanDuel just, you know, at his price and with all the receivers going off and, uh, on the flip side of things, you know, Minnesota just, just melted down and didn't execute. I mean, we're not surprised. It's Kirk Cousins, right? But Justin Jefferson, monster game, monster game. I mean, he he uh, got a lot of his numbers off a huge broken play with really bad tackling. It's kind of worth noting. But he still saw a lot of targets, you know, looked good, and uh, kind of took a lot of pressure off Adam Thielen, who across the first two weeks, you know, he was the target share, right? Uh, kind of late. You know, Thielen did catch a touchdown. and um, just kind of looking forward here to week four. And we got about 10 minutes left here. I, that, that's a sneaky game, Minnesota and Houston. I was surprised with, with how well kind of Houston moved the ball at times against Pittsburgh. Um, so that, that was a good sign moving forward. And I, I think this has like a chance to have some sneaky uh, fireworks here. You know, there's what, five or six game. I can't remember with, with totals over 50. And, you know, obviously you don't think running to Vikings Houston first. So here we are. And, what do you think about this one, Teach? Yeah, no, I like it. I think it's a good sneaky spot, like you said. Man, Justin Jefferson, fifty two hundred on DraftKings this week. That they bumped him up pretty quickly, I would say. But he had, yeah, just a a, a great performance there. Jumped up nine targets, out targeted Thielen, which is is certainly surprising. Uh, and I think Will Fuller is also worth noting because. He, you know, he's someone that, that everyone loves to play and loves to talk about. Obviously had his, his injury situation occur after the second week, which is, is typical Will Fuller. But then now he comes back this week and he's back to playing a, a full complement of snaps, 94% of the snaps, most he's seen all year so far. So do we go back to Will Fuller? Are we, you know, I think we can. I think it's a good tournament play here in this spot against Minnesota. I think Deshaun Jackson is still someone that I'm I'm reasonably interested in from a quarterbacking perspective. He's kind of fallen out of that that top tier for sure, but I think he's a good second level quarterback that that will come with some pretty pretty reasonable and low ownership in this spot. So yeah, I think 
Watson Fuller stacks and then looking at, at Thielen and Jefferson on the Minnesota side of things. And then I think David Johnson also, if Duke Johnson continues to be out, he's getting a ton of ton of usage, playing pretty much all of the snaps, seeing a little bit of work in the passing game, you know, three, four targets, nothing crazy, but but seeing enough work there if you think that that Houston is, is going to have success in this game as a as a favorite maybe you could look to, to David Johnson as well and then obviously I think Dalvin Cook is sets up similarly every week where you know he's gonna get in that 70 to 75 percent of the snaps type of range he's gonna lose some snaps to Madison but as we saw this week I think he had like a 40 yard touchdown run right he, he's always always a threat to break off that big play and and always someone that I'm gonna be looking to in GPPs yeah, he looked good. He looked good. Um, that you know, the, this game has has some real potential. I'm with you on that. Uh, I think it's worth noting that Adam Thielen. I'm just scrolling through some numbers here. He has a pretty high A dot this year, and then that's a really good sign. I was just trying to weed out the guy. I couldn't do it fast enough, but just eyeballing it out of guys that have actually played that play like meaningful snaps. He's like top twenty in the league in A dot um, this year. So I, I do like Thielen. You know, I'm, you know, Houston's secondary is not great. And I think that's kind of being polite. So uh, I think Thielen is, is absolutely in play. Um, you know, worth noting here, just looking at, you know, we just brought up the, the Pittsburgh-Houston game from last week. Pittsburgh will be playing Tennessee this week. Deontay Johnson got hurt, and I know he probably killed a lot of lineups. So that's another injury to kind of monitor moving forward. And, Obviously, Juju found the end zone. So, definitely keep an eye on Deontay Johnson. The Titans secondary is struggling. Malcolm Butler was getting roasted by Jefferson. You know, Dory Jackson might start practicing. I, I, w- I would keep an eye on that because he would be a huge upgrade. But if he sits, I mean, I, <laughs> I would totally be okay with going back to Juju, especially if there's no Deontay Johnson. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Deontay Johnson definitely hurt me. A bit this week. thought he was a, a very strong play on DraftKings and then unfortunately goes down with that injury. So, yeah, if he's out, definitely look for that to give a bump to Juju. James Conner has also been, I think, flying under the radar a bit and is someone that, that we should probably be paying more attention to. I mean, again, not seeing a lot of these workhorse backs, so he's still someone that's in that, like, 65 to 70% of the – of the snaps for Pittsburgh, but you know, he, he gets involved in the passing game. He, uh, he's getting a decent amount of carry. Yeah. F- five targets last week. Again, nothing crazy, but I think that he's somebody that should always be in our player pool for GPPs just because we, we've seen the way that he can get it done. And, but yeah, Ben, ben spreading the ball around quite a bit here. It seems, you know, targets going, Obviously, Juju's way, but James Washington getting into the mix, Eric Ebron, Chase Claypool even. So, Deontay Johnson was really the the target monster for the first two weeks. We saw that get spread out a bit more after he went down, but definitely would be a bump to everyone. And and like you said, I think Juju is the, the primary benefactor there heading into this matchup. I tell you what, we haven't really seen the game yet, but Brandon Cooks, 4,500 on DK. That is cheap. 
Uh, you know, played Baltimore week two. Had his best game against Baltimore. Eight targets, 95 yards. You know, Pittsburgh, you know, five targets. Okay. But, uh, man, uh, Brandon Cook's maybe finally getting up to speed. Uh, he, that's an interesting value. Uh, you know, he's not going to carry much ownership probably with all the high Vegas totals and people who have actually been performing this year. But definitely on my radar in, in that game, which I, I think we uh, quietly – yeah, maybe a GPP winner. You know, looking at, at Watson. You know, looking at DK. He's the what? One, two, three, four, five, six, like ten, ninth or tenth highest priced quarterback. Fifteen hundred cheaper than uh, Lamar. Hasn't really done a lot of damage with his legs this year. I mean, is that kind of what's keeping him out of this upper upper echelon kind of pricing tier? Do you think? Like in your eyes, I mean, if, if yeah. I would just see a little more with his legs. There's one rushing touchdown, but. Uh, Man, you know, he's one of those guys where they want to run the ball if they can, right? They want to give it to David Johnson, you know, see what happens. But what do you think of Watson? Yeah, they just haven't been as explosive without Hopkins, it seems like to me. It seems like the whole offense is, is just kind of, you know, their game plan used to be feed DeAndre Hopkins the ball. And now in the absence of that, yeah, I think like you said, the the game plan was probably to run the ball. But <laughs> I think they're finding out that they're running the ball is, is not quite as successful. So, yeah, he's kind of fallen into that that second tier running back. Hasn't been doing it with the legs as much as, as we've become accustomed to. I think we were used to last year, you know, he, he, he's getting 30, 40 yards on the ground almost every single week and mixing in some touchdowns. But, he, yeah, I mean, against the Steelers, five yards, 17 yards against the Ravens, 27 and a touchdown against the Chiefs. So, doesn't seem like he's moving it as moving it as much on the ground and yeah I mean like we said you you look at DK quarterback pricing right you've got it goes Lamar Mahomes Josh Allen Dak Prescott Kyler Murray that's your your top tier of quarterbacks there which is you know what we talked about all, all the guys that are getting it done through the air and on the ground as well so while you're certainly paying more money to get those guys into your lineup, I think that the, the upside that they bring to the table is is really where I'm going to be looking to build my lineup. So I, I think with so many games with the outrageous totals this week, I think it's an interesting one to to take one of those higher upside rushing-type quarterbacks, pair them with a receiver or two, run it back in a game stack, but then also have a, an additional correlation to your lineup, right? You know, you can take two people from – two wide receivers from another game that are playing against each other and, and build that on top of your quarterback game stack. I just – I think you're going to want to build uh, as much correlation into your lineups as you can this week because there's so many different spots to love and there's not as many concentrated, okay, these are the two games to focus on. Let's get as many pieces from these games as we can. So it should be really, really, really fun week from a GPP perspective. And I, my hunch is that we won't see as much condensed ownership as we have the past two or three weeks here. I think you hit it spot on. You made a lot of good points, especially with all these high Vegas totals. You know, we'll see a lot of people taking some different angles here. Let's, let's, there's a couple games we didn't touch on. We, we talked about a lot of our favorites here. Let's go with a quick two-minute drill here, TJ. What do you think? I'll just run through them quick. You give me, like – just your initial reaction, first thoughts hearing it right here. Um, all right, let's, let's get to it here. Chargers and Tampa Bay, 1 o'clock game. Tampa Bay, 7.5-point 
favorites over Herbert and the Chargers. Uh, Mike Evans, first player in NFL history, have two catches, two yards, and two touchdowns. Crazy. Why can't we feed the guy the ball more in the middle of the field? I don't know. Weird stuff happening there. Flip side of the ball, we both talked about it. Austin Eckler, you know, no Tyrod Taylor. He saw a lot of targets in a close game, got the ball a lot. Snap count was back up. Uh, Austin Eckler, backers are happy again. What do you think about that one? Yeah. Uh, first gut, not, don't necessarily love this game from a stackability perspective, but second thought is Austin Eckler would be the guy. As you just alluded to, uh, while we saw a kind of 50-50 split between him and Kelly in the second week, last week we saw it go back more towards a, a 70-30, 75-25 split in favor of Eckler. And he also saw 11 targets, which we love to see. And that was, was why we loved Eckler last year and why we loved Eckler coming into this year. So I think that sets up nicely for him in this game script. A lot of opportunity for those check downs if they're going to be trailing to the Tampa Bay. So he'd be my favorite play in that game. Tampa, I'm just not – yeah, that, that Mike Evans stat says it all. I'm just not, not loving the fantasy output there. I think they're doing fine from like a, a real football standpoint, but not bringing a lot of upside from a fantasy standpoint. Three more games on the main slate, and then I'll give you like 30 seconds to vent about the Eagles who will play on Sunday night <laughs> against the Niners. Um, Jacksonville and Cincinnati, another real uh, – is that right? Jacksonville and Cincinnati? Yep. Yep, Jacksonville, Cincinnati. Woof. All right. So that's my initial my initial reaction here. Uh, man, I mean, Bengals coming off a tie against your birds. Joe Mixon hasn't got going this year. A.J. Green has, like, the biggest discrepancy in, like, everything you could ask for. Targets, uh, you know, targets, air yards, market share percentage, and he just hasn't done anything this year yet. Maybe this is finally the week. I, I don't know what his price is off the top of my head. I'm just – getting so frustrated thinking about it but eventually with the opportunity like he's gonna do some damage you would hope so that's my thoughts there Jacksonville just I am just thinking about last week's Thursday night showdown game and how bad Minshew looked he he should have some time this week if Geno Atkins is still hurt and I don't think McDaniels played last week so that's big kind of seeing how the Bengals defensive line is holding up there but for me, I'm looking at opportunity. I don't think anybody will probably have A.J. Green on Sunday with all the other high Vegas total games, so uh, he might be worth a couple of shares. Yeah, I think this game mostly goes overlooked, <laughs> as it did for us as we were looking at the the list of games. And, yeah, I mean, the other thing, James Robinson obviously had a, a monster night on Thursday, but, you know, he's still playing 50% of snaps. So it's not like he's getting a ton of opportunity. He just happened to, to make the most of that. But, you know, if you want to throw him in, you can, but I don't think there's anyone in this game that's going to be a prime target for me. Yeah. You said it with, with Cincinnati. I mean, I was watching, unfortunately for myself, watching the Bengals Eagles games on Sunday and yeah, AJ just doesn't seem to, just doesn't seem to quite have it anymore. Tyler Boyd, I think would be the person for me that, that I'm more, interested in on the Cincinnati side but like we said you don't need to play anyone from this game but maybe worth a couple shares in your MME mix yeah and then real quick here you know Rams Giants you know Rams are 13 point favorites 47 and a half total so the Rams do have a high team total we talked about playing roulette with who's going to get the ball for the Rams and if that game script holds up that's just going to be I'd rather pass and not figure out 
who might get garbage time there, right? I mean, obviously, you know, Goff and maybe Woods and Cup could do some damage. I really thought Daniel Jones would have played better than he did last week in, in, in a game where you think they'd air it out um, a little more. Um, I'm probably just going to pass from this game. Most like in optimal bills, probably all together, uh, to be honest with you. You got any thoughts on that game real quick? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Rams will just take care of business and it'll be a little bit of everyone and, and not enough concentrated on, on one spot or another to be super relevant from a fantasy perspective. I'm fine with passing on that game with all these other fantastic options that we have. Right, and I know we talked about the uh, the Chiefs and the Patriots kind of both individually there, um, them, and then we have Baltimore and and the Washington football team. Obviously, we're recording on Monday. We're not really sure of the results. You know, things could change. Something could happen here. Um, but obviously, huge favorite. The Ravens are huge favorites. There's no total yet for that game, but Baltimore is currently 13.5-point favorites. It's kind of obvious who are the top players going to be in that game, kind of the usual suspects here. Uh, on, the, on the Washington side of the ball, Dwayne Haskins is horrible. Changed my mind. And, um, you know, obviously you can make a case for playing some scary Terry games. Logan Thomas, another guy who was having all the metrics with the opportunities and the targets and the, the shares, and he just uh, kind of laid a dud. Um, for that, That's pretty much it, you know, for me for that game. And obviously, you know, we talked about Cam and the Patriots, and uh, that that should be a hell of a 425 game to watch too. Either of those two games, and we haven't seen much from this this current week's Monday night game, but, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean – Lamar will be the the top play, right? Obviously, I think he'll be, he'll be the highest projected quarterback on the slate. He'll be the most expensive too, but certainly can look his way. And like you said, typical cast of characters: Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, looking to mix them in. If you want to run it back, you can run it back with with McLaren or with yeah Lo- Logan Thomas. Like you said, I, I played him in my main DraftKings lineup again last week. He's continuing to get seven, eight, nine targets every game, but just not, not doing anything with them. So I think, I think it might just be that the Redskins are bad and he's just on a bad team and that is what it is. So I also think that you could totally play Lamar Jackson just by himself in this game and not pair him with anyone or run it back. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one. And then people like to play Mark Ingram, in some of these spots for a massive favorite. I'm personally not typically a huge Ingram guy, but of course he could get two, three touchdowns if they're going to win by, by 20 points. So you can look to Baltimore on that side. And then, yeah, Kansas City, New England, that, that'll be another interesting one as well. We'll have Travis Kelsey back on the main slate to pay up for if we want to pay up a tight end. It'll be the same, like we said, same typical cast of characters there. I think that that Edwards Hilaire will be an interesting option to look at depending on what his usage ends up being this Monday night game because 6,400 does jump off as a, as a pretty cheap price tag for him, but we'll see what, what his usage look like and if it makes sense to, to pay that price for him. TJ Lasik, follow him on Twitter at TJL5124DFS. Did I get that one right? You did. Nice. All right, I'll give you 30 seconds. you want to talk about the Eagles or do you just want to call it a night? I mean, they're just bad. They're they're really just bad. Wentz is bad. Everyone gets hurt. Every time I look up, somebody else is getting injured. We're throwing to guys that I'm literally texting my friends. I don't even know who these people are. Like, all of a sudden, Greg Ward is, again, the most 
recognizable name that we're throwing to is Greg Ward Jr. That should not be the case. They're bad. They're going to get probably crushed by – you know, they'll probably, like, troll us and beat San Francisco because, well, at least everyone on San Francisco is hurt, and they're still six-and-a-half-point underdogs. Eagles are not good. Uh, maybe we'll just become Nick, fan, Nick Foles fans in Chicago and root for him because he's always in our hearts. Eagles ran over. I also played Miles Sanders in all my lineups, and he was terrible. So double whammy on that one. <sighs> I think that's it. I was thinking about you, man. I was thinking about you. <laughs> anyway, we got to get out of here. For TJ Lasig, big thanks, everybody. Back at Roto Grinders. Get on over there. Check out our premium tools. We have a lot of good stuff. Thanks for listening. Hey, drop us a like. You know, Give us some feedback. You know, Whatever you got, hit us up in the DMs, whatever we can do to help out. We're here to help you guys out. Check out Roto Grinders. Our premium tools are awesome. How many times can I say it? Like, I, I, I mean it, folks. I really do mean it. I'm not just saying the plug, but so user-friendly, a wealth of information, great analysts, and even better people at the Roto Grinders family. So for TJ Lasik, I am Justin Carlucci. Good luck and have a great week.